this is the old ham farmer, AKA Harold Jarbo or vice versa. I'm sitting with Abby McCullough, who's uh, the digital ninja for Tennessee Homegrown. And we're talking with Cecily Friday. Uh, Cecily, would you like to introduce yourself? And um, Well, um, I'm Cecily Friday. I'm the executive director and founder of the Tennessee Cannabis Coalition. And I'm the co-founder of the Southern Hemp Expo, which uh, started uh, two years ago. We would have been in our third year this year. Unfortunately, uh, COVID had other plans. Um, I got involved in, in cannabis law reform and advocacy in 2013 as a patient um, and lobbied. The first, first time I went to lobby at the uh, legislature, I, I went to a lobby day and lobbied beside um, a woman by the name of Gail Grower, whose granddaughter, Chloe, had Gervais syndrome. And at that time, we were just uh, trying to get CBD pushed through in the state of Tennessee. We lobbied that day and met with lawmakers, and we didn't get CBD that, that session or medical cannabis, for that matter. And between that first session that I lobbied and the second one, uh, Chloe, her granddaughter, died. And I was infuriated by that because if she had been in a legal state, she would probably still be alive today. And uh, that basically gave me, um, you know, uh, enough fire in my belly to, to really start to advocate on a full-time basis. And um, that led to getting involved with other organizations in the state. And we had a lot of loose, uh, um, uh, unorganized uh, or, or separate uh, advocacy organizations throughout the state of Tennessee that weren't really coordinating on direct action or organizing. And so uh, with, with the, the need for that arose Tennessee Cannabis Coalition, which is a, is a coalition of advocacy organizations, including the International Cannabis um, Patients Organization run by David, Dana Arvidson. Um, and we basically spend most of our time educating the public and uh, lawmakers on the public health and safety data around cannabis. And, and so that, that's where I got started in, in the field of cannabis. And then it moved on to doing, I started working on uh, policy and market research for venture capital clients. Started having conversations with Colleen Cahey, who, who was instrumental in getting uh, hemp passed in the state of Tennessee. And we, we started sitting down and having conversations about the need for a, a professional environment or, or a professional setting a way in which to uh, legitimize, if you will, uh, the industry and uh, create a, a, a professional look for the industry and show that it had legitimacy um, to policymakers and to the public. She and I had started talking, I guess, probably about four years ago. And and I had met with David Madalino with Hemp Connoisseur Magazine and, and a few other people, um, some folks with the National Cannabis Industries Association. And ultimately it ended up, you know, I went back to Colleen and I was like, well, I just, I don't get the right, right vibe from these folks. I'm not sure if this is the right direction. She said, well, you need to go talk to Morris, Morris Beagle. 
who runs uh, one of the biggest hemp conferences in the country, if not the world, uh, NOCO uh, Hemp Expo out in Colorado, which has grown exponentially since its inception. But he and I met and Colleen and I brought him out to Nashville and we started looking at venues and, uh, and we had our first Southern Hemp Expo uh, three years ago. And um, we had our, our second one uh, last year. We were supposed to have our third one this year. <laughs> and uh, now our, our, we, we had to cancel, unfortunately, because of COVID. But now we're scheduled uh, to return um, physically in August of 2021. Um, and that's the same. NOCO has also got pushed out to 2021 as well. We were... I was supposed to MC at NOCO in Denver this year. We were supposed to have 20,000 people in Denver for that event. And unfortunately, um, you know, we've all had to uh, change our plans because of, of this unprecedented pandemic. Well, I guess it's not technically unprecedented. We did have one in 1918, but. <laughs> Let's go back a little bit. One thing, the history of the whole Hemp Expos. I mean, the first mm -hmm. one was in 1991 in Seattle, Hemp Fest. Yeah, Vivian really, McKee. Yeah, but it really wasn't a Hemp Fest. It was, it called was a cannabis. High THC Fest. Mm -hmm. So it was probably dear, your, your dear Morris Beagle, and I think what uh, the one in 21 will be the seventh one. So we're, we're talking about 2014 for the first real genuine dedicated uh, hemp Expo. Yeah, I think the Seattle Hemp Fest is is been more of a festival type environment where it's it's more about cannabis, high THC cannabis legalization, and is is advocated for that. Obviously, they support hemp um, as well. Uh, it's more of a festival type environment versus Which is, um, yeah, what you see with NoCo, where it's more of a business. Uh, development uh, and industry uh, focused event, so it's a it's a little bit different, but uh, both obviously are ad advocate heavily for for cannabis, uh, um, high THC and low THC cannabis. Let's get back to though this whole evolution of the expo because it's uh -huh. an integral part of of the industry. Sure. And so the the early years of of the expo. I mean, and also, I love how you <laughs> how you went so smoothly into your first expo. But if my memory serves me correctly, you had to work very, very, very hard to get the first expo here into Nashville. And yeah, and yeah. you'd approach some other people before that, and then it was you realized that you know Morris would probably be the best person to help you put this on. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that the first event that we had here went off pretty seamlessly and, and we wanted to work with, I wanted to partner with people who, you know, this was not their first time at the rodeo. They had executed on large scale events and, and done so well and, and um, knew what they were doing. And, and I had obviously done some, some events here, but not to the, not to the scale that you, uh, you have as far as Southern Hemp Expo and NoCo go, where logistically, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this. And so it was very important to me that we, we brought people on board that had, had done this before and had executed on it well, because we wanted to make sure that first event that we had in the Southeast 
looked really good, was professional. And if we had, you know, we had lawmakers or people that we wanted to influence come to this event that they saw, oh, this is a legitimate industry. You know, these people, you know, this is not just, you know, hacky sacks and, and, you know, hemp tchotchkes. I mean, this is a professional industry that needs to be taken seriously. And, 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 you know, we wanted to, we wanted to make sure that that was conveyed. And, you know, that first, that first one, <laughs> it was funny, um, when the reporting that we got, we got really good press on, on that first Southern Hemp Expo. We ended up on the front page and President Trump happened to be in town the same weekend and he was below the fold. <laughs> he was, we got top, uh, top lead on the on the front page of the Tennessean. So, you know, that kind of gave you an indication that, yeah, this industry is really something to take notice of and, and has legitimacy. So that was that was really important to us as far as uh, producing that first event. Could we go into basically the whole evolution of the expo? And, and the reason I'm saying that is because the whole industry of how when we first started out expos were basically dominated by a more educational activism frame of mind and then mm -hmm. as the industry and the money moved into it it has shifted and that seems to be kind of a all over the industry this is coming to a head it's why we're having a lot of the problems with the, the hemp industry uh associations um, yeah a lot of this is that we had this sea change. And how have you seen that? As, I mean, like the first years of the expo, when did you go to your first NOCO? Oh gosh, um, five years ago, maybe? Okay. It was, the, it was the second or third NOCO that they had, that I had gone to. So and it was, I mean, it was still a pretty professional event then. I, I mean, the, you know, I mean, we've, we've kind of gone from an, from an activist advocacy, nonprofit, approach to, you know, a for-profit industry that kind of uh, demands a certain, uh, a different approach. Uh, you know, once money gets involved, I mean, we, we have an industry that, that is, you know, we're in, in startup mode and there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to be had here. And obviously when, when, you're, when you're talking about going from an advocacy nonprofit kind of approach to a for-profit industry that, that is in startup mode, you're gonna, you're, things are gonna look very different. We've got the past, it started, Hemp Expos started basically as activist uh, educational, and then mm -hmm. as money, and things opened up, it's now starting to make that transition. That's kind of where we are. Right now, are you already booking sponsors? And, and the reason I'm asking that is, is where is it now that you think this is going? Is it gonna be for people selling processing equipment? Is it for people who are gonna be more into marketing? When you see that, when we walk out on the floor in 2021, what is gonna be the dominant sponsors well that's that's going to be really interesting to see right now uh as it is we have we've currently we're in the process of basically rolling or honoring existing sponsors that were scheduled for this year we're rolling them over to 2021 so and even ticket holders if somebody has already you know bought tickets those those all get honored in into you know into that next year um 
right now, because of the pandemic, largely everybody's kind of in a holding pattern when it comes to events. Um, you'll, you have some pivoting online where we're seeing everything move to the to virtual um, meetups and uh, conferences and education series and and you know when when you talk about what happened with the Hemp Industries Association, I mean a, a significant amount of their revenue is is very dependent upon events that they do and conferences that they do throughout the year. In addition to memberships dues, you know, uh, fortunately for some of us, I mean, you know, there we have other you know, channels of revenue. So it's not as devastating. But I mean, as far as the event industry, event industries in general, they have come to a screeching halt. And, and what we've heard from, you know, CDC and medical experts is that as far as large scale events go, we're not going to see anything really happen until late 2021 at the earliest. And if we don't get some significant changes in, in leadership and, and, and the way that we approach this uh, virus as far as public health and safety, that may be prolonged. Um, you know, we've seen other countries, you know, that have been able to get this under control. New Zealand just reported they've had zero cases now um, because they have had uh, pretty good leadership on, on, on managing uh, this issue. But unfortunately, the United States, um, you know, this is, this is a big problem in which, you know, we have some of the highest COVID rates uh, on the planet right now, and, and they're largely uh, running out of control. So we, we're, we're basically um, at, the, at the mercy of the virus and, and the response, the public health and safety response, as far as events, large-scale events go. What, what impact does that have on the industry? Well, we no longer have the kind of meeting places that we normally would have in order to do the kind of networking um, and uh, client relationship development and customer relationship development that we normally would as an industry. One of the biggest uh, things, because I've been at several of these things in the last few years, and some of the biggest sponsors at these things have went into bankruptcy. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, so how much does the nature of the business in general, because right now, uh, sad to say, I'm not sure if there's more than one or two processing companies in Tennessee, Kentucky and areas that are actually making money. Yeah, I, and, and I think, you know, we, we had just gotten into startup mode as an industry. We just, I mean, we just got USDA approval for our, um, our hemp proposal for the state of Tennessee just, just this past month by the USDA. So this thing really, really has, has uh, created a whole new challenge for an industry that was just barely getting on its feet. Well, no, well, so, no, uh, all right. Not, are you saying that the reason why these processing plants are, were closing was because of COVID? I know I, I think that I think COVID did play a role in in what was going on with I mean obviously with uh, retail and you know uh, what was happening you know overall you know the overall climate in, in in the country as far as the the processing facilities go I mean there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of factors in in and why that's happening I mean we had a glut we had a glut of, of product 
in Tennessee this year that didn't get processed? I mean, how much, I, I heard I, 5% got sold the last time I talked to somebody about uh, that. Of course, that was a few months ago. So, so and, and, and that's what a reason I'm bringing this up is that right now and not, you know, there's a bunch of, I think, uh, what do you want to call it? Responsibility because of the overproduction of hemp. And one of my questions is, how much did hemp expos have to do with the overproduction of hemp? I don't know if I don't know how much responsibility we could take take for that. I think there were a lot of people that saw dollar signs, you know, when when hemp got legalized and when CBD really uh, became popular. I mean, we grew 12 times over in 2019. We went from 270 licenses in uh, 2018 to about 3,800 producers and 51,000 acres that, it, you know, this past year. So this is a situation where, I mean, you know, agricultural commodities are, are complex. And, and as far as, as, as hemp goes, I mean, if we have an overproduction, I, I, <laughs> well, no, no. I, I don't know what we can do about that. Well, that but that's what I'm saying is the, the responsibility. Is there a responsibility? Do we put a cap on licenses? Well, I mean, no, I guess but okay. What I'm saying is, is there a responsibility at hemp expositions to do mm -hmm. a more thorough job? Because we basically had 250,000 acres licensed last year in the country. Whereas yeah. the whole demand for CBD could be done on 30,000 acres or less. And so what I'm saying is at this point, and when we go forward here, because the feedback I'm getting from people who are established, who are saying, why aren't organizations and these things doing more to protect the people who've already been in, spent the money, and are trying to hang on? Well, I think I think we're going to have to we're going to have to innovate and and move away from from you know I mean the big cash cow everybody thought was going to be CBD and obviously when you you've got uh, so much product out there and, and so much biomass out there that, that we sit we don't we don't even have enough processors to to process it we don't we don't have a market to sell enough you know of a market i mean we're going to have to innovate and move away and start doing things you know with this plant that help disrupt existing systems like oil and gas and the paper industry every every single use item that you can think of in your household that can be made from hemp. I mean, people need to start having conversations with big box stores like Target and Bed Bath and & Beyond and home goods stores and Home Depot and figure out how can we replace these items with hemp? Anything that's made from wood or plastic, farmers and producers need to be having conversations with those, those kind of large scale industries that have the R&D and have the capital, capital to invest in, in doing innovation using this plan. Isn't this all economics driven? Of course. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying is, at this point, are you, is there anybody who can come into these big box stores and tell them that in an existing profit model, they can come over and shift from a wood-based to a hemp-based paper, which would be one of the simplest things to do? Yeah, I think you have to look at at a at a long term plan for things like that, and and 
show the projected benefits of, of transitioning over. I mean, we all know that hemp is a significantly more renewable and sustainable resource than trees. We, we all know that, that hemp is significantly safer for our environment than petroleum-based products are. So, I mean, these are things, you know, and, and this, is, this is, you know, in our existing economic system where, you know, everything boils down to your profit margins, we're not taking in, into account these additional costs of, of social and in, the social and environmental costs of doing business. And, and that's something that's going to have to change too. And, and obviously companies like WAFA, um, that is, is the parent company for Southern Hemp Expo, you, you know, which stand, WAFA stands for We're for Better Alternatives. Well, I'd like to kind of go in on that because this is, once again, right now, what you've been talking about is that interface because all the things that you mentioned you want to do, you know, getting big box stores to go to, uh, hemp-based paper and things like that. How does that fit in with what's going on right now? And if I go to a hemp expo, am I looking at the, at the 15 years down the road or am I looking at exhibits that are going to help me real time with my business? Yeah, well, I mean, it, and, and we, we have these conversations on, on a regular basis. Obviously, right now, I mean, as far as, as, far as the expos go, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern for, for this year. So there hasn't been a lot of development in terms of, you know, focus and, and, and what we want to accomplish for, for 2021. We haven't had those face-to-face -face conversations. I've, I've got an uh, invite-only uh, summit that I'm going to in Colorado in August. Uh, it's a small group of people that are getting together to talk about these things and talk about where do we go from here? What kind of, um, you know, because obviously the, the main focus for these events is to provide value for our vendors and attendees. We, we want to make sure people connect with, with who they need to connect with to be productive in this industry and, and you know, to make the kind of, um, uh, do, you know, do the kind of networking that they need to do to be successful and, 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 and connect with, with people that they can build their ecosystems out with um, and, and advance this industry. So we're, we're, unfortunately, we're just, we're just stuck in this holding pattern right now. I mean, we're all kind of waiting to see when we're going to be able to hit the ground running. And so now, uh, you know, we, we, during this pause, you know, this is the time to, to reflect and, and, and think about how we can innovate and what we can do to kind of take this thing to the next level. Because we do, we absolutely, it's absolutely critical for us to move beyond CBD and start to innovate on a large scale, you know, as far as, as, as uh, sustainable products and, Can I and ask getting. You, ask you a question. You don't think you are going to get a large amount of pushback on that? Um, from, from whom? 95% of the industry, might be 98% of this industry is dominated by CBD. Sure. People growing it, processing it, selling it. How are you going to make that transition to, to these other products? 
Well, we've we've started having what we've done, and, and we started this at, at, at a very grassroots level. Um, the past few years, we've started to engage um, large manufacturers um, in um, big box stores like um, Tractor Supply Company and Nissan and Volkswagen and um, uh, architecture firms, building contractors. And uh, so, so we've, we've started, we've started that, those conversations. Um, but what we have to do is also get farmers on board with, with growing industrial hemp. And for, that's what I'm asking. For manufacturing. And yeah, I mean, it, How it's do you basically. Do that? That's what I'm saying is, if you push this towards this, you know that 97% of the people all doing this right now are going to drop out. They have no desire to do row crops. And that's what yeah. I'm saying is, how well, can, I, I know what your, uh, your, but do you honestly think people are going to show up at your expos for combines? Uh, well, uh, we'll, we'll just have to see, but that's, uh, it, I think that the, the, we have, uh, you know, with the potential of this plant, we have to go there at some point. Well, but where's the um, money? We can't just be, we just can't be, that's why we get these big, industries involved but, and interested the, in hemp. The disconnect though here is at the farmer. You can go to the big box all you want, but until you can prove that you can make an X amount of dollars per acre. Yeah. I mean, cause that's what I'm saying is, and this is kind of, I'm, I'm asking this, why aren't we going to the farmer? Well, you're going to have to partner farmers with these, with these industries. But what I'm saying and, is, and that, but they with aren't. These, no, and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to start having these conversations with these big, big industry players that that we can plug in, you know, these these raw materials to, and we can you know sell these raw materials to for use, and and that's we're not there yet. We're just not there, but that's where we need to go. And obviously, we're, we're only going to have, not everybody's going to be able to grow CBD. I mean, you know that, that there, there's already a glut in the market. And, you know, that's going to have to, there's going to have to be some corrections there. Um, as, as far as the industry goes, we, we're, we're, it's not sustainable for us to have, you know, 3,800 producers in the state of Tennessee just growing CBD. So if they if they want to be a part of the industry, they're gonna have to to pivot and adjust and be a part of the process of developing this industry. We you know it's it's not just up to the expos. We all have to work on this. This is this is uh, you know this is oh, a I, startup I'm, industry. And I'm and I apologize if it seemed like I was putting on the expos. No, it's okay. But, but I, what I mean, I'm saying what, is is that 95 percent of these people if they could be growing high THC would be. Sure. And that's what I'm saying is this can yeah. disconnect on what they think hemp is and what the people actually putting money into it, growing it, doing it and selling it. That's yeah. not their world, nor do they want to be in that world. And how do yeah, you well, and all that? I think what's going to happen with those people, we're, we're going to, we're going to see some form of federal legalization. I mean, we already, cannabis is already federally legal. We're now arguing over one cannabinoid out of hundreds in the plant. You know, the, the, the horse has left the barn, if you will. So we're going to, you know, within the next five years, we will probably see some form of, of legalization. Um, once we see some movement at the federal level, 
Um, and I, I've been talking to uh, lawmakers in the state of Tennessee. It would be the easiest way for us to transition in the state of Tennessee would be to uh, allow um, high THC licenses for existing uh, producers, cultivators, processors, and dispensaries in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and, and I would like to see that approach here. I think it would be the easiest way to do it. And I think a lot of the people that are cultivating uh, smokable, high CBD, low THC hemp flour now would obviously want to transition over to that. And then again, you're still going to have the same situation uh, there with over, you know, the potential problem of overproduction, just like they had in Oregon, um, which is going to affect prices, you know, significantly. So that's that's going to be a challenge once we get to that point as well. I do have one question. Um, in this time of virtual everything, I was kind of curious as to why the Southern Hemp Expo didn't kind of do what NOCO did and host their own virtual Southern Hemp Expo. Well, we had talked about doing that and it, and it just it just didn't come to fruition. We do have um, a, a virtual event, uh, a WAFA virtual event coming up on November 10th through 12th that's basically gonna cover it for both both NOCO and Southern Hemp Expo. So, uh, and um, NOCO is going to be back uh, in March 25th through the 27th of 2021 and Southern Hemp Expo will hopefully be back um, August 20th through 21st of 2021. But we will have that virtual, the WAFA virtual event um, on November 10th through 12th. Okay, I think we're gonna wind this up, uh, Cecily. This is your opportunity if you have any books, uh, <laughs> anything, whatever. Also, how people can get a hold of you. Oh, well, I mean, I, obviously they can get a hold of me through the Southern Hemp Expo Facebook page or website. But yeah, that, that's the best way to reach me. And, and we're, we're going to continue. Like I said, we're going to uh, work at kind of creating a path forward in August at the summit. And hopefully we'll have more information for you guys after that. Well, I hope to have you on after that so we can get uh, sure. catch up on things. Um, yeah, I wish I had more for you. Unfortunately, expos right now are, <laughs> well, are, are not going to happen for a little while. Okay. Um, all right. This is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Ham Farmer. This is Full Contact Cannabis. It's sponsored by Tennessee Homegrown, and that's tnhomegrown.com. Abby, you got anything to say to get get us out of this before I say misstep and say anything bad? I <laughs> uh, just hope everyone has a good week and stay safe. Thank you, folks. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.